just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. Before we get started here, I wanted to make a promise to you. On this show or any future show, we will not be talking about Will Smith and Chris Rock. That shit has already been done to death. There's already been too much attention paid to that fucking incident. I don't honestly care about two celebrities getting on stage, mixing it up on a television show that nobody fucking watches anymore. We've got far too many important things to discuss. So we'll focus on those things, those things that are important to our country and to the world. And that bullshit on the Oscars, I'm done with it. I wanted to bring something else up, uh, just bounce this off you. Now, I've always done this show on my own. I've never had guests. I don't have a co-host. And, and the reason why is because, not that I'm narcissistic and I'm the only one that can do this with me, it's because of logistics. It's hard to get people to be at a spot where I need them to do it or be consistently here. It's just too much trouble. And then you've got all those people that are afraid to say certain things because they have jobs or families or friends that they're worried about pissing off. So it's really tough to get somebody to do the show and do it the way I want to do it. So I've just said, fuck it, I'll just do it myself. Now, we are going to try something here in the not-too-distant future, hopefully very soon here. I'm going to bring somebody on the show. He's a guy I've known a long, long time. And he was on the air with me here in the Twin Cities. We were working together probably 20 years. Now, we weren't some morning team or anything like that, but we had a lot of interactions on the show. I was a traffic guy. He was a news guy. We also had uh, a host guy, but I haven't seen him for years, and I wouldn't fucking have him on the show anyway. But Ed and I have always had a good rapport. You know, we've always had good conversations on the air. In fact, a lot of the audience really liked it, in spite of the fact the management didn't like us doing it. Of course, we still fucking did it anyways, because that's who we are. But Ed's an interesting guy. He's from Tennessee originally. He moved here to Minnesota for a long time, and now he's back in Tennessee. Now, in spite of the fact he's in the South, he's a very liberal guy, probably more liberal than I. He's very articulate, he's clever, he's funny, and he and I, like I say, have a good rapport. So I'm trying to work it out where he can be on one of the shows coming up very soon. Now, I don't know exactly how to do it. I'm sure it's a simple process. may have to get my son in here to figure out how I can get him online and get his voice and my voice together and we can discuss it. Now, we could do a live on TikTok, but he's not on TikTok, so that's not going to work. So anyway, I'm going to have him on the show. And it should be very interesting, and I think you'll enjoy him and how we get along and how we talk. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to bring a host in here, a co-host in here every day. That's not going to happen. It's going to stay pretty much the way it is. But after you hear that show, let me know what you think. If you like it, I'll maybe have them come in every week or once every two weeks or whatever. Uh, but we'll still keep the show the way it is. And when he's here, uh, we'll talk about the same shit. He'll have some insights that I don't have. Very smart guy. He's funny. And it might be kind of fun. But I told him we'd give it a try and see what happens. He should be on the air someplace because he's very good. And I'm looking forward to giving that a try. Now, of course... Whenever we do a show, I always encourage you to uh, send me an email or a voicemail. And you can do that very simply by emailing me directly at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Comments, complaints, whatever you got, please send them. You can also go to anchor.fm, go to Rational Boomer Podcast, and uh, leave a voicemail message. As I've told you before, your comments, your input is very important to me. 
because as much as this show is called the Rational Boomer Podcast, that shouldn't suggest that I'm the only Rational Boomer. I am not. We've been able to pull together a lot of Rational Boomers, so your insights, your thoughts, your comments are just as important to my, as mine, and I'd like to hear them. That said, we do have one question via email today, just one today. We've been getting a lot lately, but this is just one. Now, this gentleman I've known for a while. I've never met him, but we've talked on the phone many times. We were connected in another business altogether, um, and I don't think he wants me to give his name. Uh, so anyway, his, his, his comments and questions are this. Hi, since the Ukrainian military are taking Russian prisoners, where are they putting them? With the country being bombed all the time, how do they protect and feed them? Your thoughts. Now, as far as an exact location, I don't know. I, I don't know. They did offer up the option that they would release the prisoners if their moms came to pick them up. <laughs> I don't know if that's a joke or what the fuck. But they did say that. Now, Ukraine has paraded some of these Russian POWs at press conferences. And some of the comments from these POWs has been pretty compelling. You know, they're, they're confused. They're scared. They don't know why they're there. They don't know why they're fighting the Ukrainians. So I don't know where they are specifically. But I understand Ukraine is setting up camps for the POWs. Now, I'm assuming they're trying to put them in safe places. But I don't know where that would be because we don't know where Russia is going to bomb. If they are enemy prisoners of war and Russia is attacking and all the Ukrainian soldiers and citizens are risking their lives by being there, I guess it's not too much to expect the people attacking them to be at risk as well. There will be or are camps set up. I just don't know where they are. They haven't given that location and probably for very good reason because these fucking crazy Russians would probably bomb their own people so they don't give away secrets or, or, or do, <laughs> do press conferences and speak badly of Russia. Now, the one other thing that Ukraine and Russia is doing, they are trading one for one for POWs. So Ukraine is giving up some POWs and getting some POWs back from Russia as well. I don't know how that's working. I mean, anytime you get into a, a deal with Russia, you never know what the fuck they're saying and if they're being truthful because they have a tendency to fucking lie, especially with Vladimir Putin. So anyway, I'm sorry I can't give you the exact spot. I don't think they'd give it out even if uh, um, even if they had the compulsion to tell us. I don't know if that's the safest thing to do. They are keeping the POWs in Ukraine. There will be camps. They're trading them one for one. And occasionally they're put in, in a press conference to kind of parade them to everybody else. Now let's get to some of the news at hand, and there's a lot of it. We've been talking about Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas um, and that situation. Now, Clarence Thomas has accomplished a first for a Supreme Court justice. When he did not recuse himself from a case um, involving the release of communications by his wife, in an attempt to overthrow the government, the U.S. government. This is illegal. Clarence Thomas broke the law, and this is a first for a Supreme Court justice. Now, I know Supreme Court justices have gotten into mix-ups here and there and done some things, but this is really unprecedented. And that's why it's going to be interesting to see how it's handled. So what exactly do you do with this? There's a first time for everything, and then you have to decide how you're going to react about it, what you're going to do. I'm certain that they're all hoping on the Supreme Court that this will just go away. That's how 
conservatives and Republicans like to do things. They do something fucking horrible and they say, ah, it was nothing, let it go. We were trying to overthrow the government. Ah, that was no big deal, just let it go. And I'm sure that's how they hope this thing with the Supreme Court happens, that people will forget about it because there's too many other things going on. Well, to be perfectly honest with you, that's not going to happen in this situation. This is a big, very juicy story, so the media is going to keep it in uh, the front position. And, and, and beyond that, the House Select Committee is going to keep it up front as well. The Supreme Court is going to have to acknowledge this situation because it's a big problem, and they're going to actually have to do something about it. As I've said before, the Supreme Court is really sensitive about the perception of the Supreme Court by the general public. They've been very upset about the fact that people think they're partisan. And why would people think they're partisan? Because they're fucking partisan. That's why. I mean, we're seeing it with the abortion laws in Texas and such. There are six conservative Supreme Court justices, and they're running roughshod on this country, uh, flipping off the Constitution. It's it's fucking horrific. Uh, And then you watch what they did to Ketanji Brown Jackson when they were questioning her. These ridiculous, stupid, inappropriate questions. These people are all about undermining our government, our way of life. And uh, they are going to have to address this, though. This is going to be pounded on, and they are going to have to deal with it every day until they do something. It's going to be interesting to see exactly what they do, though. I mean, what can they do? They can force Clarence Thomas to resign, or they can um, censure him. I always like that, censure them. It doesn't mean jack shit. All that means is we know you're a bad guy, so don't do it again. (laughs) With all these censures and shit going on, it's just annoying. I mean, it's just the way the government can make people at home feel good and do absolutely nothing to keep people accountable. But the important thing to remember, this is crucial. It's one of the three pillars of our government. This threatens the very fiber of our country, the survival of our government, and our way of life, as I said. I mean, if we have no credibility with regards to our Supreme Court, we don't really have much. I mean, the Supreme Court's supposed to be above reproach, but at this moment in time, that is not the case. It's a problem. It's a big fucking problem and it doesn't look good the optics aren't good on this situation so if they have hopes of having any credibility left with the supreme court they must do something now they're going to have to do something with jenny thomas too of course we heard that she has been asked to testify in front of the house select committee now will she do that she'll probably try to not do it. She'll get a subpoena, and then she'll claim privilege, what she doesn't have. First of all, nobody has privilege in this situation. The only person that can give out privilege is Joe Biden, not Donald Trump. But Jenny Thomas never worked for the White House, never worked for Donald Trump. She was just some clown that burst her way into the White House and tried to take charge. This woman is a nutcase. She's a QAnon conspiracy theorist freak. And how she got in the door, I don't know. I mean, the only thing that could be possibly an explanation for that is that she is the wife of a Supreme Court justice. And if that is the case, well, therein lies the problem with our Supreme Court and Clarence Thomas and why he has to go. I'll be surprised if they make him go. I don't think they will. But they're going to have to do something. If the pressure is enough, the public opinion is bad enough, they may have to force him out. Some people will say, well, we could impeach him. Well, we could, but it's not likely to happen because apparently it's very difficult to do. It's never been accomplished, and it would probably just be a huge waste of time. 
So maybe if we keep the pressure on and the Supreme Court loses its standing in terms of perception of the general public, maybe they will then be forced to do something, something they don't want to do. All right, next up, let's talk about this. The House Select Committee, by way of the Washington Post, has released the White House phone logs. You know, we were hearing about the visitor logs and the phone logs. They tried to hold those back, but nope, they got released. Now, the amazing thing is that there is seven hours and 37 minutes that are blank. No calls are logged, which is strange, to say the least, especially since the insurrection was happening during that very same period. How is that possible? How is it possible there are no phone conversations for seven hours and 37 minutes during an insurrection? Well, we know there were phone conversations because we've had people testify to the fact that they were on the phone with Donald Trump or Mark Meadows or whoever the fuck. We know it happened, but it doesn't show up on the phone log. Now, there are a couple of options that could have happened here, and I think the latter is probably the most likely. First, what could have happened was that after the phone logs were created, they somehow wiped those calls from the record. You know, kind of like what Nixon did with the 18 minutes on the tapes. Tapes are going along, everything's cool, then all of a sudden, nothing. Somebody went in and erased it. We never found out really that much about what was going on in those 18 minutes, but apparently it was fucking bad. So it's conceivable with these phone logs, somebody got a hold of it before it went to the National Archives and wiped away those calls. But they were stupid about it, if that's what they did. I mean, who's not going to question seven and a half hours, blank, no activity in the White House, when Donald Trump's always on the fucking phone? Now, there's another option to this that could have happened. The other thing is that instead of using the phones, the White House phones, Donald Trump, Mark Meadows, whoever else could be using burner phones. That was actually suggested to Donald Trump, and Donald Trump said, burner phones? I don't know what fucking burner phones are. I never even heard the word burner phones, which means he probably had about 10 burner phones. In fact, uh, Bolton, his former national security advisor, I think, um, Bolton said that, uh, oh, yeah, he knows all about burner phones. He was talking about it all the time. It was in, in Bolton's book. So big surprise, Donald Trump lies to us in order to try to get out from under a problem. And trust me, this is a fucking big problem. So the bottom line is whether they wiped it from the record or they use secret service phones or advisor phones or burner phones or whatever they did. The important thing here is to understand is they knew they were doing something illegal. They knew they were doing something illegal and they made an effort to hide it. That is illegal. That is against the law. And that is a big problem for the Trump administration. This whole situation kind of reminds me of two previous presidents. We talked about Richard Nixon. Now, Richard Nixon committed several crimes in what he was doing back with Watergate. But what ultimately took him down? It was the fucking cover-up. The cover-up is always the worst thing. Remember Bill Clinton. He committed some crimes. But what did he get taken down for? What did he get impeached for? The cover-up. Lying. The cover-up. Now, make no mistake, what Donald Trump has done here, the Trump administration has done by trying to avoid attention by this seven-and-a-half-hour blank period where there are allegedly no phone calls, that is by all means a fucking cover-up. And this is a problem for Donald Trump the Trump administration, and any of those people that were involved in calls during that time period. Now, I don't know if they can go back 
and get those burner phones or other people's phones and get that documentation. I don't think you can find out uh, uh, what they talked about, but you can find out who talked to who, which would be telling in its own right. But I don't know that they can track that down, but it doesn't really matter. Because just showing that they were trying to cover up is enough. It may be the straw that breaks the camel's back. So this is yet another problem for Trump, the Trump administration, the people in Congress, the people in Senate, whoever. Ginny fucking Thomas. This is all a problem for them. No doubt Ginny Thomas's phone has been taken. And while they can't see any calls uh, from the White House or to the White House for that seven and a half hours, I bet some of the phones of these people that made the calls to the White House, who took calls from the White House, do have some records of this. They probably weren't sharp enough to figure out a way uh, to uh, to hide that. Unless, of course, Donald Trump bought uh, maybe 100 burner phones and just passed them out. <laughs> now, that sounds a little fucking crazy, but uh, we know Donald Trump, and that's conceivable. The bottom line is, regardless if the calls came or not, you have to understand, they've interviewed probably, the House Select Committee has interviewed probably 700 people. They've got plenty of information. They've got evidence. And they don't really need that bit of information from that seven hours. They probably already have it. So there they can prove that Donald Trump and the Trump administration did everything they could to create a cover-up. And as I say, with all the problems that Donald Trump has, that may be the one thing that breaks it for him. Because you can do almost any crime in Washington, D.C., apparently, and nobody gives a shit. But if you try to cover it up, well, then you're fucked. Then you're fucked. And we can prove here that he did, in fact, try to cover it up. The fact that those calls are not there and he did whatever he did to hide those calls. He knew that it was wrong. He also knew that it was wrong to use these burner phones or wipe the record. Because it's very specific. The law is very specific when it comes to the White House. Every call, every note, everything has to be documented and saved and sent to the National Archives. It doesn't mean they have to uh, expose it openly to everybody, but it all has to be archived. Now, you see, Donald Trump has had a lot of problems with that rule. We know that he burned, (laughs) tried to flush documents down the toilet. Some people even say he tried to eat some of the fucking documents. I find that hard to believe. Because unless it has McDonald's special sauce on it, I don't think he would find it too palatable. (laughs) But Donald Trump clearly has tried to hide documents and now phone calls. And that in itself, the Presidential Records Act, that is a problem. That is a crime. Now, the crime doesn't carry a huge sentence. It's maybe a year in jail, what, $100,000 in fines. But the big factor in that is, is that if you are convicted of such crime, you cannot run for any office ever again. In fact, if you're in office, they will kick you out of office, but you can never run for any office again. Now, that isn't the ultimate punishment for Donald Trump, obviously, but it would take some stress out of a lot of people who think he's going to run in 2024. I get this every day. Do you think he's going to run in 2024? I'm worried. I'm upset. I'm stressed out about it. Don't be. He's not going to run again in 2024. I've told you this before. I'll tell you again. This guy is losing a grip on his audience. It's getting smaller every fucking day. He's caused all kinds of problems between now and 2024. Everything about Donald Trump, every crime he committed will be exposed. Now, whether he'll pay the price or not, I don't know. I don't know about that. But with all that information out there, the Republicans will have no interest in him being the candidate. 
He won't have the base, a big enough base, to make it worth their while. He's nothing but a fucking problem child, so they won't want to use him in the next campaign. They're going to be trying to bring somebody else to the forefront and make them the star of the show. But it won't be Donald Trump, so don't worry about that. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. All right, I wanted to address something that I hear a lot about. I see them uh, as comments on my posts. I get emails about it. With all these investigations going on, in fact, we have four men that are referred to the Department of Justice for criminal contempt, and uh, we're waiting to see if they do something with regards to uh, indicting and prosecuting them. We're talking about Matt Gates and when they're going to do something with that. There's all kinds of things going on, and I hear a lot from people, and they say that, what's Merrick Garland doing? He's doing nothing. He's gutless. He's a wimp. The DOJ is doing nothing. They'll never do anything to follow up on all these investigations and referrals and indictments. They're never going to fucking do anything. Well, the fact of the matter is, is, is if Merrick Garland's got investigations, it wouldn't be surprising if we never heard about it, at least until they were ready to publicize it. And that's because they don't want to tip other people off. And people will say, yeah, that's fine. I've said this. Yeah, that's fine. But at least let us know you're working on it. Now, Merrick Garland has said that regardless of uh, political entanglements or or problems, he's going to go forward and address all these people that were involved in the insurrection. Now, talk is cheap. You don't really know if he means it or if he's just telling us shit to keep us happy until we become disappointed. But there was something that Merrick Garland did that is kind of telling. You may have heard about it. You may not have. But just recently, Merrick Garland and the DOJ have hired 131 attorneys, lawyers, New employees into the Department of Justice, 131 attorneys. Now, what that sounds like to me is that they're going to have a big spring sale on indictments. Obviously, with all that's going on, that's going to raise the workload in the Department of Justice. If they're going to follow up on Donald Trump, the Trump administration, Matt Gates, all this other shit... They don't have enough people to work on all the things plus the normal shit they work on. So the fact that Merrick Garland is hiring 131 new attorneys and may end up hiring more tells us that some shit is going on. We don't know what it is yet or what to, to what extent, but something is going on. So for those of you waiting to see something from Merrick Garland, it's probably not enough for you. But at least it tells us that something is going on. Okay, here's a story that kind of bothers me, and I'll tell you why. Joe Biden signed the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act, making it a federal hate crime. Well, that's good, right? But why did it take till 2022 to fucking acknowledge that lynching is a hate crime. Why has it taken this long to acknowledge that? Well, I'll tell you why. Fucking Republicans. In fact, three Republicans actually voted no on this very topic. They are Representatives Andrew Clyde of Georgia, Thomas Massey of Kentucky, and Chip Ray of Texas. Oh, big surprise. <laughs> Southern Republican Republicans from a fucking red state. 
You know, they tried to say, well, you know, the reason why we don't like it, of course, lynching is a terrible thing. (laughs) But this is really used to further the woke agenda. (laughs) Now, these fuckers keep saying woke like they know what it means. Fuck, I don't even know what it means. You don't have to be woke to treat people like people. You know, that's the, that's the thing. I've said this before, I'll say it again, that uh, to not be racist, all you have to do is treat people equally. You don't have to bend over backwards for anybody. You don't have to do any special favors. Just treat people equally, regardless of what color they are, what uh, what religion they are, what sexual orientation they are. They're fucking people. Treat them like fucking people. It's easy. It's actually very simple. Don't look down your nose at anybody because they happen to be different. You know, I happen to think that we are all prejudiced to a certain extent. And here's what I mean. I think all of us at some point kind of look sideways at people that are different than us. Now, I'm not saying we're racist or, or, or anything like that. But if you put a bunch of people in a room and you've got Catholics and you've got Baptists, <laughs> they're going to look a little wary at one another because they're different. I've told this story before. I'm going to tell it again. And we learned this from a very early age. In the neighborhood I lived in when I was very young, 8, 9, 10 years old, there were two groups of kids there, and we all played together. There were the Catholic kids that went to a parochial school, and there were the Lutheran kids that went to the public school. Now, we went to different schools, but we lived on the same block. We played together, did stuff together, had fun together. It was great. But anytime there was a problem, either with parents or with kids, between two kids, you would see us little kids go, oh, those fucking Catholics, and they'd say, oh, those fucking Lutherans. Now, at that point, neither one of us knew the difference between a Lutheran and Catholic, and frankly, there isn't a lot of difference anyway. I remember somebody saying to me when I was about eight years old, what religion are you? And I said, well, I'm Christian. No, what religion? I didn't know what fucking religion was. I knew I was Christian because I celebrated Christmas. I didn't know I was Lutheran or Catholic or whatever the fuck. But I think people do look wary at other people. If you are a black person walking in a room of white people, you might be a little wary at first until you feel comfortable. And vice versa. If you're a white guy walking into a group of black people, you might be wary. If you are a uh, Gentile walking into a room full of Jewish people, you might feel a little wary. I'm not saying you do anything or you think badly of them. You feel a little nervous. And I had that experience once, and it was interesting. It told me a lot, and maybe it's part of the reason why I'm so against racism now. When I was a young man, uh, 19 years old, I worked at this radio station in Arizona. I've told you about that. It was a shitty little radio station uh, in the middle of fucking nowhere in northern Arizona. And from time to time, I would have to go up to the reservation, the Navajo reservation, um, to do sports play-by-play. Could be, could be football, could be basketball, baseball, something like that. And I, I'd have to drive up to the reservation and do this game. And, of course, it was a low-budget operation, so it was just me. It was me and the <laughs> radio station Chevette, and I'd drive up to the fucking um, reservation. Now, when I got there, because I worked for the radio station, because I treated people with respect, all these Navajo folks treated me extremely well. They were very nice. In fact, to this day, I love Navajo people. They are peace-loving, nice, spiritual, sensitive people. They are wonderful people. I don't have occasion to see Navajos because I'm in the Midwest now, and there aren't many Navajos here. But anyway, I was up there, and I... Uh, These people were very nice to me. But here I am in a town of maybe 8,000 people. I am literally the only white guy. I'm the only white guy in this town. 
as I said, I had no problems. They treated me well. They treated me like royalty because I was coming from the radio station. But at that moment, I realized, oh, this is weird. This is weird. I'm not in trouble in any way, but I'm the only white guy. I'm different. And I won't say it was uncomfortable, but it was weird, you know? So I can respect other folks, people in minority groups that show up someplace where everybody else is different and you're the only different one. And at that moment, when I was treated the way I was on the uh, Navajo reservation, um, and being the only white guy and being treated very well, I thought to myself, well, that's fucking easy. We got along just fine. So now when the situation is turned and I'm in uh, a group of the majority and somebody from a different race, different religion, different sexuality comes in, I understand how they think. And I feel it's my job to make sure they feel comfortable because it doesn't make a difference to me what they are. It's about who they are. And if I go up and talk to them and they're nice people and they're good people, well, they're my people now. I don't give a fuck about anything else that makes us different. There are all kinds of things that make us different. There's hair color, eye color, height, weight, education. But the bottom line is we're all still people. And for some reason... We still have to deal with racism in this country. Now, racism's always been around. For a long time, these people were hiding under rocks. Then Donald Trump comes around and makes them feel comfortable about poking their heads out and saying what they want to say. I know a lot of people back prior to Donald Trump were saying, well, racism's getting pretty good. I mean, it's not as bad as it was in the 60s. Turns out it's just as bad as it was in the 50s and 60s. It's just that these people were too embarrassed to stick their heads out and say anything. But now with Donald Trump coming into office, now they feel comfortable and they're all over the place. In fact, they're controlling a major political party, the Republicans. Now, I know there's Republicans out there that say, we're not all racist. No, but you support racists. So you might as well be racists. This is something we've got to address because this is not something that should go in this country. Just shouldn't go. We can never get rid of racism or anti-Semitism or misogyny. We can't get rid of them. But we've got to get back to that time when it's not comfortable for them, that we can kind of muffle them. We can keep them under the rocks. We maybe can't fix it. The only way we can fix it is educating our young people. And as long as these racists are having kids, it's going to be very tough. So we need to find a way to mute them again and get them out of uh, decent society because they are not fucking decent people. Okay, next up, I want to talk about the Russia and Ukraine peace talks that we've been hearing about. They're going on in Istanbul, Turkey. While it sounds promising, there's a lot of shit going on here. The Ukrainian people that attended the peace talks, the political leaders that went to the peace talks, now before going there, they were warned not to eat or drink anything and avoid touching any surfaces. And the reason is, is because Russia is well known for assassinating people with poison. Now you'd think that would be crazy for them to do. They wouldn't do that. Fuck, they wouldn't. They invaded Ukraine when they said they wouldn't. They uh, tried to take Kiev and try to take over the country when they said they wouldn't. So as much as those peace talks are going on, you still want to be safe because you can't trust those motherfuckers. Secondly, Russia has flat out lied multiple times in this war. Sure, we'll set up a green corridor and you guys can all leave and it'll be safe and it'll be nice for you. As soon as that corridor opens up and people try to leave, then they start bombing the piss and shooting the piss out of these people. These fucking people cannot be trusted under any circumstance. And I'm not saying that as opinion. I'm saying that as fact because we've seen that play out in this war. 
Many innocent people were slaughtered, and there is no reason to believe them. Then there's the fact that Russia is losing this war. They haven't taken a single large city. They are saying they will back off of Kiev, which they have to do anyway. They've been trying for a month, and they've been held off by the Ukrainian army. They've been losing troops. They're running out of supplies, and uh, it's not working. So for them to say, oh, yeah, we'll back off Kiev, that isn't a fucking concession. That's just a way to make it look good for them. To be perfectly honest with you, if it were me, and thank God it's not me, when somebody is in a situation like Russia and they're fighting me and they're losing and now they want to act like they're the tough guy and say, yeah, we'll back off, we'll be the nice guys. If it were me in any situation, I would say, fuck you, keep fighting. We're going to finish this shit. Well, of course, that's not a good idea. That's not, And that's why when people say to me, you should be in politics. No, I shouldn't. I got no business being in politics. I don't know shit about diplomacy. And uh, the way I handle things is not good when it comes to running a country. Russia is also suffering seriously from sanctions. And some people think that in these peace talks, they want to somehow relieve themselves of some of these sanctions. Now, the problem with that is, is Ukraine has no power over those sanctions. They can't stop any of the sanctions. That's America. That's the rest of Europe. That's the rest of the world. And to be perfectly honest with you, if they come to Ukraine or all of us and say, Listen, we'll pull out, just stop the sanctions, and we'll be cool. We'll be go back to normal. Well, first of all, you fucking destroyed a country. You killed a bunch of innocent people. As far as I'm concerned, if we do this right, the sanctions don't come off until Vladimir Putin is gone. Because remember what I said about bullies. If you knock a bully down, you better make sure they stay down. Because if you don't, the moment you turn your back, they're going to jump on that fucking back. Guaranteed. And Vladimir Putin has proved that he will do that. I hope we have the, uh, oh, who said this? As Sarah Palin said, I hope they have the cojones. <laughs> I just loved it when she said that. I need to get a clip of that 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 comment because it was so stupid for her to say, and she wants to get back in politics. She was the start of all these crazy fucks, and now she wants to get back in because she thinks that's popular. Sorry, Sarah, this shit's starting to wane, and all these crazy fucks are either going to be voted out or going to jail. So you probably don't want to jump on that fucking wagon right now. Why don't you just stay where you are and stay the fuck out of politics? Because you're not going to win an election, and uh, you're just going to get yourself in trouble. Uh, next up, uh, uh, Trump apparently has trouble learning a lesson. Now, he is calling out Vladimir Putin currently. Uh, now, Vladimir P Putin, of course, is the most hated man in the world, who is also in the middle of his war with uh, Ukraine. But Donald Trump, <laughs> smart as ever, is saying, well, Vladimir, why don't you give us Hunter Biden's laptop? I'm sure he could do that. I'm sure he has that. Give us to us. <laughs> That's fucking amazing. Listen, they've been yelling about this laptop and the contents of this laptop for years. Now, I know we're hearing that some newspaper, the New York Times or something, has said the laptop really exists. Okay, it exists. We don't know what the contents of it are, just because Hunter Biden may have a uh, uh, laptop and he may have worked for some energy company in uh, Ukraine. We don't know what it says. And moreover, who the fuck is Hunter Biden? He isn't a politician. He isn't a leader. He doesn't even work for the fucking government. The funny thing is, is that somehow Donald Trump things, thinks that in spite of all his trouble, the answer to save him, the answer to cover up all of his problems, is getting Hunter Biden's laptop. 
That's how delusional this motherfucker is. Not a bright man. I wonder if he even realizes how much trouble he's in. I mean, he's pretty delusional. And he's kind of like Vladimir Putin. In fact, he's almost identical to Vladimir Putin. The people around him are the people that screw him the most. And they don't do it intentionally. They do it out of fear. Because both Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin hate hearing bad news. And what do they do? They kill the fucking messenger. That's what they do. That's why somebody told Vladimir Putin, oh, we can wrap this up in three days. Because if they didn't say that, then Vladimir Putin's going to get mad. Same with Donald Trump. They told Donald Trump many things. Oh, we can we can flip the election. We can put you back in office. Because that's what he wanted to hear. And I'll tell you what, I can relate to that a little bit. I've told you about my father. He was a narcissistic, sociopathic, pathological liar with a bad temper. Now, on those occasions when I would deal with my father... I would see, I, I learned how to see when he was going to get mad and he was going to lose his shit. And so when I was in that position and I saw it coming, I would be willing to do anything just to avoid the wrath of my father. So I might tell him things that maybe aren't true, or I'd try to manipulate the conversation down a different road that would make him happy as opposed to mad. But this is, a, I don't know if this is a psychosis or what, but when you're an abused child, and I'm not saying I was abused, I'm fine, I, I, I did fine, I, I don't give a shit. But when people are being abused, they will do anything and they will rationalize anything as to not suffer whatever wrath is coming at them. It's a survival thing. It really is a survival thing. And to be perfectly honest, what I went through with that was actually a great help to me later in life. What that allowed me to do is it trained me, I trained myself to kind of read my dad. I could read his face, I could read his eyes, I could read his words and know where he was going. And when that happened, as I got older, I learned how to manipulate him away from the craziness out of survival for myself, for my brother and my sisters and my mom, because we all struggled with that. So I would do anything to stop that wrath. And that's what the people who work for Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump do. They're just trying to fucking survive, and they don't want to deal with daddy being all pissed off. So they will do and say anything to avoid that, even if they know that later on it's going to turn out the wrong way, even if they know they are lying because they're worried about that moment in time and suffering through whatever they're going to have to suffer through. It's, it's, it's kind of fucked up, really. But the reason it worked out well for me in the end it taught me how to read people in general. So when I was in business or if I was interviewing somebody, I could get a really good read on who these people were. And it really helped me in trying to put together deals, sell people or interview somebody and be able to connect with them. Once I knew who they were and understood who they were, I could pattern the interview or the sales pitch to what they wanted to hear without lying to them. That's the one thing I learned. I didn't have to lie to them to get them to feel comfortable with me. But that whole experience when I was a little kid, something I shouldn't have had to go through, it taught me a good lesson. And it's a lesson in how to deal with people and how to read people. And unfortunately, it's kind of a manipulation. But uh, And I told that to somebody who goes, well, you're just manipulating people. Let's be fucking honest. Every day, everybody is manipulating somebody for something. Not necessarily for bad things, but there's always manipulation going on. There's good manipulation and bad manipulation. Um, but somehow, even in the slightest way, it's always going on. All right, the last thing I want to talk about, this is hilarious. Madison Cawthorn, that piece of shit, is, uh, he was interviewed on a podcast. 
Now, he's trying to be the cool guy. I'm <laughs> I'm in the U.S. House of Representatives. I'm 26 years old. I'm a racist. I'm a psychopath. I'm a sociopath. I'm a pathological liar. So he's trying to be cool in this podcast. And he starts to uh, air some dirty laundry of the Republican Party. And what he was basically saying is, yeah, I got my eyes wide open when I came into the House of Representatives. You know, I had older politicians, 60, 70-year-olds coming to me and saying, uh, you know, we're having a party, a sexual kind of party, and why don't you come by and have a good time? He said, then I realized they were inviting me to an orgy. And then he said how some of these politicians were doing cocaine, even though they were fighting against drugs in their professional life. (laughs) There's a smart one, Madison. What were you fucking thinking? Because, of course, after he did that and that got to be public, Kevin McCarthy says, come here, young man, I want to fucking talk to you, which is ironic. Over that situation, he calls Madison Cawthorn, takes him to the woodshed, but refuses to call on the carpet Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Paul Gosar, Jim Jordan, or all those stupid motherfuckers. He doesn't say anything to them, and you know why? Because they get money and donations. Madison Cawthorn called out his own people. As long as they're lying about somebody else or the Democratic Party, Kevin McCarthy's cool with it. But as soon as you start calling out your own party, well, that's a bridge too fucking far. That's a bridge too far, and now he's mad. Now, Republicans are saying that Cawthorn is lying, and of course he is a liar, so that's certainly conceivable. And I'm trying to think about when those instances might have actually happened. You think of some of the Republican, the older Republican politicians, and it's kind of hard to imagine. But Madison Cawthorn may be telling the truth here. I mean, if he's talking about Matt Gates, we know Matt Gates does a little booger sugar. We know that he's involved in some sexual escapades. We know that Madison Cawthorn might be called in by Matt Gates to get sucked into those things. The interesting thing would be, did he get sucked in? Did he attend those parties? Did he do cocaine? Now, we know Madison Cawthorn has had a few problems with uh, accusations of sexual assault. So he brings these things up as if he's appalled by them. But you have to wonder, did he participate in them? Let me tell you about Madison Cawthorn. After November 2022, that fucker will be gone. And there's a good chance he'll be indicted and maybe prosecuted. And once he's no longer a politician, no longer in the House of Representatives, he has no more protection, that fucker is done. promise you. Madison Cawthorn's future isn't good. And that's sad for a kid that's 26 years old, but he's already fucked up his life. Anyway, let's wrap things up for the Rational Boomer Podcast. want to thank you for spending the time to listen to me rattle on. You have yourself a great day, and we will be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.